Good, well, let's see, every morning? Yes, we're still morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you all. It's encouraging to see uh, such a good group of Christians here to worship the Lord on this day. Happy to be with you all. As Blake mentioned uh, earlier last week, he, uh, he contacted me and he asked me what, you know, what I wanted to preach about today. Uh, and I said I, I, I was thinking about talking about prayer. Although, in reality, I hadn't yet really started thinking about exactly what I was going to preach. <laughs> he reached out to me pretty early. But uh, I had, had been having some thoughts on prayer uh, in, in recent times. And it's, it's something that's really a, a cultural uh, paradox, oftentimes, uh, for, uh, for us in the Western world. And it's something that I wanted to, to talk about and to really dive into the scripture and really see what the Bible says, what the Bible encourages, and what the Bible assures about prayer. And maybe look at you know, some of our common conceptions about what prayer is and how they line up with one another. In fact, we don't usually do this, but I'm going to be using the whiteboard a little bit to, to give us a little visual as I go through these. This is going to be a pretty scripture-heavy lesson, so in the interest of time, I do a lot of reading and not too much talking, but I think it's going to be very interesting. I know it was a very interesting study for me personally, as I, you know, really got throughout the Old and New Testament and saw what Jesus and the, the apostles and the epistles all say about prayer, something that we all believe in, that we do, Every time we worship, that we do in our personal lives, that we do before we eat, oftentimes three times a day out of just American tradition, that's not in the scripture, but it's a beautiful thing that we do. Uh, and prayer is just a big part of, uh, of, of, of our culture. Whenever bad things happen, especially, for example, in recent times, we're always saying that we give our thoughts and our prayers, which again is, is a good thing, but it's, 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 it shows how uh, the idea and the concept of the prayer is, is big. But uh, the reason I had... Robin, or ask Robin to uh, read Matthew 7, 7 in the beginning, uh, it's because oftentimes that's kind of the end all and be all of what our culture says about prayer. And I'll just take a reading from that again. Thank you, Robin. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and will be given to you, seek and you will find. Knock and will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and, and he who seeks finds in him. Uh, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And that continues on to verse 8. And uh, this, is, this is true. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are words in red. He, th these are absolutely the words of God. But oftentimes, you know, we, we, we close the book that are in prayer. Oftentimes, and I don't say we as in the people in this room. I say we as in, you know, what we hear and what we are oftentimes in conversation with. Well, that's, that's it right there. You know, you ask for it, and it's yours. You, you, you desire it, you believe in it, and it's yours. That's what we say. That's, that's what our culture says. That's what, you know, that's the refrain. However, that's not exactly what we experience. Sometimes, and I'm sure this has been the case for you all as it has for me, we'll pray for something and we will get it. You know, we'll ask for, for that promotion and, and we'll get it. We'll ask that we can make it through a troubling time and we will, or it might be lifted from us. A burden might be taken away. A loved one might get better. We might get better. Uh, things could change for us and towards the better and, and in any myriad of ways uh, on a local level and a bigger level. And that's something to be thankful for. That's something that, we, that you know, we're all thankful for, something that we praise the Lord for and that we're happy for. And sometimes we ask, and that's not exactly how things go. Sometimes we ask, and the difficulty's still there. Sometimes we ask, and we didn't get the promotion. We got fired. Um, life, life has a way of throwing those curveballs at you. And oftentimes we just you know, stick with that, and we just you know, let it embolden our faith. We say that we asked for this, uh, and it didn't really happen, but we know God is faithful, so we continue with our faith, and we, we just keep on writing. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, not at all, but the scripture offers so much more than just that. 
Uh, the scriptures offer so much more than that, and that's, that's really what we're going to get into today. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting because that doesn't just happen on the personal level. And I, I want us to think about this and, and really, really think about this seriously. Uh, I, know, I know people who are suffering through a lot. Christians who are suffering through a lot on a consistent basis. Whether it be a physical ailment or a financial situation or something that, that is medical or personal or private. And have been praying about it for a long time. And have been praying very seriously that that be lifted from them. And it's still there. It was there the last day, the last week, the last month, the last year, the last ten. And I'm sure that's, I'm, I don't think I'm unique in that. I think you all, whether it be through your personal experiences or people that you know, have experienced the same thing. And then if we just take a step back further from us, I don't know how many of you all have, have traveled some. I was blessed to be part of a, um, a mission trip some years ago. Um, and there, there I, was, I was just, I remember being, uh, thinking about how the brothers in Ghana uh, were down there, some of the most faithful brothers I had ever seen. They were going through some real, real suffering. Like some, some you know, there was a certain area where the rainy season came, uh, was, was not coming as it was supposed to. And there was, there was some real food issues going on. There were, some, there were some children there who were having some real health issues there. Recently in Nicaragua, uh, I'm in contact with a few brothers there, um, there was a civil war that was going on. We don't, we, our news doesn't really cover that, but there was, there was a civil war that is still occurring down in Nicaragua. And that was very much affecting the church and the Christians that were down there. They were being affected by that big time. Uh, there is uh, the preacher at that very congregation himself through like a, a bad needle or something like that ended up contracting hepatitis B and it was taking a serious toll on his health. And he had a daughter, uh, two sons and a wife. I know in my personal experience, uh, the congregation that I grew up at, Avondale, there's a, there's a man by the name of Trey that comes to my mind. He has a daughter, his, her name is Kira. She's five now, I think. And she has, I forget, uh, stage four, I believe, cancer in her stomach that has been being fought for the last year and a half. And he's one of the greatest men of faith that I personally know, him and his wife both. And this is something that is, they're continually praying about and something that he's expressed is hard for his faith because, you know, he goes home to his daughter and, and he remembers what she was like two years ago and they, there's hope and the doctors believe it's gone and then it resurfaces two months later and, you know, thanks be to God, she's, she's still in the fight. She's still in the fight and, uh, you know, we have faith that she'll make it through. But I say all this to say that we suffer, that we suffer, that our friends suffer, that our family suffers. That Christians suffer, people of the world suffer. There's a lot of bad things that happen. And, that, and we pray about these things. And sometimes they're relieved, but sometimes they're not. Yet when we look at Matthew 7, 7, it definitely says, right, ask and you'll get it. Seek and you'll find it. Knock and it's there, right? And that's why the scripture says that we have to seek out the whole counsel of God. We're going to look at two things here. We're going to look at what God says, and then we're going to look at... What, uh, what that is. I found this at first to be like a sobering lesson. Like, man, you know, I'm going to ask for things and I might not get it. But uh, by the end, I actually found it very encouraging. I'm not going to say it because it's like spoiling a movie. Like, you can't, you can't do that. So we're going we're gonna to work our way there. But what I found is that what the scripture says about prayer uh, is actually a lot more uh, uh, encouraging and powerful 
than what our culture might say about the same. If you have a physical Bible still, you know, get ready. I don't know if you all heard it, uh, but when I, was, when I was growing up, preachers used to say, it's going to sound like bacon's cooking in here from all the, <laughs> all the constant page turning. I personally prefer a physical Bible. Don't have mine on me. It's starting to fall apart, so I'll be using my electronic one right here. But um, we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures very quickly and just looking at what does the Bible truly say about prayer, and then how does that apply to us. Uh, we're going to get started, actually, with a quick reading from Psalms. Psalm 145. Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. I ask, let me just go ahead and say this. I'm sorry for my handwriting, you know. It's, uh, it's not bad, but it's not good. So we're going <laughs> to... It's legible. It's legible, thank you. So we'll be all right. Uh, Psalm 45, verses 18 and 19. It reads, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. What does God say here? He says that he's here for those who call him, quote, in truth. And now we might say, you know, what's, what's that? That's how you, you know, call in false? Like, what, what, is, what is that? How does that work exactly? But uh, we, we know that God is a spirit and knows that worship must be worshiped in the spirit and truth. We know that, that God is, cannot lie. We know that truth is a big part of who he is and what he is. And we know that all the times that are... Uh, that, that, that uh, those who pray to him might not be praying in accordance with that truth. And let's keep that in mind as we, as we continue to go through these. Let's look at Matthew 5, real quick. Matthew 5, verse 8. Matthew 5, beginning on verse 8. Let's see. Excuse me. Let's see. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 8. <laughs> Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There's a couple of points to take from here, so I won't be putting this particular one on the board. But just to, to, to speak with it with us here, what, what do we have here in this prayer? This is the Lord not praying himself. This is the Lord talking to the disciples about how to pray. He says, pray therefore in this manner. He praises God. He uh, lauds to God's coming kingdom. He asks that God's will be done on earth as it is in the kingdom. He asks that he has sustenance here on this earth, the daily bread, that he may be uh, sustained. He prays for forgiveness, and then asks not to be led into temptation. And that list of things, how, many, how often do we pray for those things? I just, I, just want to, I just want to say that real quick. How often do we pray that God sustain us instead of, you know, make us overflow? How often do we pray that God forgive us even? How often do we pray that God will deliver us away from temptation in the first place? How often do we pray that God's will will be done here instead of God do this, may this happen if this is also your will. Like, may my, do my will, God, if that's your will too. How often do we like, okay, well, what, is, what is God's will? I want, us, I want us to consider that. And then uh, let's get into more of the meat of the matter. Let's go over to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, beginning on the 21st verse. And this, this is something that we say often. This one, this is something that we say often. 
So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. He says here, if you ask in faith. Now, again, this is something, this is something that, that, is, that is nothing new to us. We, we consistently talk about how if we pray for something, we need to genuinely believe it. We need to have faith in it. The scripture says as much. Let's continue down to Mark 11 on the 22nd verse. Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that these things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. A reiteration of the, of the same concept and the same idea. John 15 says something, though, that we don't talk about nearly as often. John 15, beginning on the fifth verse. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for with, without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. There's two, impo oh, two, two important things here. Two important things here. One, the first is, if you abide in him, if we abide in him, if we abide, and the second is, if God abides in us, abides in us, we will have what we desire. Now, if we are abiding with the Lord, and the Lord is abiding us, if it's a mutual abiding that's going on here, our desires are his desires. We're not asking for something that we want. We're asking for something that he wants because that's what we want. So now, that desire that you have, that you're praying for, is that something that God desires? Is that something that our Lord wants? Um, I really don't like my student loans. They bother me significantly. And obviously the Lord doesn't want me to be distressed. <laughs> but that, that's not something that God that's, that's not where his mind is. That's where my mind is. And the reason that the scripture says that we don't just need to abide in him, but he needs to abide in us, the reason it needs to be mutual is that our concerns need to be what he's, his concerns are. Because as, you read, uh, as we read earlier in these, in these verses, he's, he's the branch. He's the central vine. We branch off from that. So as, you know, it, it'd be weird if you had like a branch and like the, the stick on the end of the branch and the branch itself aren't connected. While they're connected, one also receives life from the other. So while there's a mutual abiding, we need to be receiving our life and our desires from him. Because it says very clearly that in that case, it's ours. Going to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, on the 17th verse, it says, it's talking about the, uh, the armor, the spirit, all the, all, you know, the helmets and the shield and all of the things it says, beginning on the 17th verse, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. 
and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. As uh, Paul is closing out this section about the armor of God, he specifically says, pray, pray for, and then he lists. He says, pray in the spirit, if it's in the spirit. He says, with perseverance, and this is something that we, uh, another concept that we see often, with perseverance. And then, well, We'll get to that in a section. But in, in, this, in these two, at the very least, he's talking about very specifically that the prayer is, uh, let me quote him here, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, which implies that you can pray outside of the spirit. It says when we specifically pray in prayer in the spirit, and then it says uh, with all perseverance. James 1, keep these things in mind, keep these things in mind. James 1 beginning on the second verse. My brethren, count on all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him who asks in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave, by the, uh, wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is another take by the if and faith. We're just going to put like a, little, like a times three up here. So we've heard that one a couple times. If and faith. Over a couple of chapters in the fifth chapter of James, it says in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. This one, uh, one that we haven't really seen, but still a concept that we, that we understand is, if you are righteous, if, or if it's in righteousness. I'm going to ask that nobody spell checks my spelling of righteousness. Thank <clears throat> you. Uh, and then First uh, John, keep these thoughts in mind now, because what we just read there seems to be contrary to the, what I was talking about that we're all experiencing. Keep these things in mind. We'll get to what that is very shortly. In First John uh, chapter 3, John also talks about prayer here on the 18th verse. He says, My little children, let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For our, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. 
Now we have if in accordance with commandments. I'm just going to do ACC dot commandments. Commandments. And then the last one here for what God says is uh, in First John five, if according to His will. Let's see. Beginning on the first verse, it says, "Whoever believes Jesus is the Christ, born of God, and everyone who loves Him, who uh, begot also loves Him who was begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome." For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I apologize. It's supposed to be verses uh, 14 and 15. Good scripture. Scripture's never bad, but I'm in verses 14 and 15. Where he says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if anyone uh, asks anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us and, and we know it, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we have asked of him. And so this is the last one here about what God says. And it says, uh, if it's according to his will. If according to his will. This is more or less, there are other scriptures that allude to prayer, but this is more or less what the entire uh, canon of, of our scripture says about what God says about the conditions of prayer. If it's in truth, he mentions multiple times in different contexts, if it's in faith, he says if we abide in him and he's abiding in us, if it's in the spirit, if it's persevering, if it's in righteousness, if it's in accordance with his commandments and according to his will. And if you look at that, there's, there's more or less two or three concepts that emerge. There's the concept of if it's like God, if it's in truth. If we're abiding in one another, if it's like the Spirit, if it's in righteousness, and if it's in accordance with His commandments, if it's according to His will, if it's, if, if it's that which is of God. And the second thing is if it's about us. If, if we're uh, in faith about it, if we're persevering in it. What we see here throughout Scripture is basically two concepts. If it's of the will of God, and then if we are believing and perseverant in it. Now that's a lot of great theology stuff. But how does that actually apply to us? Because again, we still suffer. And we will pray with perseverance and we will pray with faith and we will still suffer. So what exactly is this? What, what is this truth? What, is, what abides in God? What, what is it that he wants? What is, what is of the spirit? What is of his commandments and according to his will? What are these things? And the scripture is actually surprisingly concrete about that. It's not something that... Uh, we, oftentimes we talk about these things and then we go pray about what's on our heart. We don't oftentimes look at what the scripture says about exactly the type of things that the Lord uh, aligns his spirit with. And it, the scripture is littered with them. Uh, very quickly, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. At least one thing that we have here. What, is, what that is? Laborers. 
And what's very interesting about this scripture is that Jesus is in the midst of people who are suffering. In fact, he's healing some of them. He's healing a number of them. And he doesn't turn to his apostles and say, look at all that's going on around you. Pray that they suffer no more. No, he says, look at all these souls around you. Pray that we have laborers to go out into the harvest. And this, uh, let's, let's see, take a look at uh, Luke, Luke 11, beginning on the ninth verse. Luke 11, beginning on the ninth verse. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. And we've read this, we've read this. Uh, Seeking you will find, knock will be open. And then he goes on and he talks about uh, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? And then it, it continues on in verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We have to read that very carefully. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This does not say, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more can God give you know, those same good gifts to you? No, it, it's, it's making a contrast. It's making a contrast between a physical thing and a spiritual thing. It says, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You wouldn't give them a scorpion or, or a rock. Okay, how much more will your Father give you the greatest gift? How much will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? Now, what does that mean, right? What does that mean? Let's find out. But, at the very least, we know that, we know that that's here. We know that the Lord made a, a, a distinction, using a parable here, between the physical things of a good gift and the greatest gift that He's referencing here. In John 15, John 15, uh, the fifth verse, it reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. And we've talked about this, he who abides, and then, and, uh, and then of course that the Lord abides in him, and you abide in the Lord. What's interesting is that down in verse 8, it says, by this my Father is glorified, that you will bear much fruit. By this my Father is glorified. Right after talking about what we reference over here, if we abide in God, and if God abides in us, it says specifically that whatever that is, would be bringing glory to him. So what that is, is something that brings glory to God. Glory to God. Moving along here, we have in Romans, in the 8th chapter. Beginning with the 26th verse. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Again, we have this idea of the will of God. Uh, however, now it's saying that as we pray, and as the Spirit makes intercession on our behalf, that is what the Spirit is bringing before God, and in ways that we cannot even that mutter, and groanings that we cannot speak ourselves. So that, this is something, according to his will, what's very interesting is that while the scripture says that we ought to pray if it's according to his will it be done, the scripture additionally says that as we pray, the Spirit will intercede for us with the will of God. So this one, this is a Venn diagram of sorts with this one. Will of God is also one of these things that it is. In, uh, in Ephesians 6, we were, we were reading this one when Paul was just closing out about the armor of God, and he was asking that they pray for this and this and this. He also said towards the end that they pray for him, specifically that he may have boldness. Very specifically, he said that in Ephesians 6, we were looking at that, that's uh, in verses 17 through 22. He prays for boldness. That's just, that's just one example. He was 
specifically talking to Ephesian Christians. But I don't know if you all see the pattern that's emerging here yet, but there is one. Uh, in Philippians 4, beginning on the uh, sixth verse, six and seven, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. This is saying that should we pray that there's peace. And not just peace, a peace that guards what? That guards our hearts and minds. Very specific. First Timothy, in uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, we have this idea of peace. It's uh, saying that we may pray and uh, making intercession and thankfulness for these things that we can have a quiet and peaceable life. Quiet and peace. Which, when you pair that with the verse before, is a, a peace that passes all understanding. In Hebrews, closing out here, Hebrews, uh, the second chapter, beginning in verse 14. The scripture reads, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who, through fear and death, uh, through fear and death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things he has to be made like brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, being tempted he is able to aid uh, those who are tempted. Excuse me. One moment. Uh, I'm gonna have to ask you all to bear with me as a Christian bears with another brother. That was, uh, and the making this scriptures, that one was not the one I intended, but let's see. That's okay. Uh, there's, the, there's a scripture in Hebrews, and I, I just apologize, I'm just gonna be very frank with you all, that references the mercy and the grace that we can pray for. Um, but James, uh, let's see, James talks about, in James 1, let's see, James 1, verses 2 through 8, brother, I'm kind of an joy when you fall into various trials, and the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. Uh, you know, and we, we were talking about this this morning in class as well as in this section. What's very interesting is that down, after talking about difficulties and troubles, he says very specifically in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. So that tells us that wisdom is over here. And then lastly here in the fifth chapter of James, as we were looking at a little bit earlier, verses 13 through 18, let's see. It's, uh, I was talking about uh, if any of you suffering, let him pray, anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. Down further, it says that uh, in verses... Right, right after mentioning those things, it says in verse uh, 15, And the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And then it says in verse 16, Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. It says, 
will save. It says will forgive. And then if we're reading the scripture, it says may heal. And again, I apologize for misquoting the uh, Hebrew verse. I'll definitely, I'm going to have to look that up after this. It's 4 verse 16. Four, thank you. Thank you. Hebrews 4 16. 16. Thank you. Which reads, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of God, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Mercy, grace. Now, most of these scriptures here, that's, again, the complete list of what we find throughout the canon of the scripture, without going to, like, every single little scripture, about examples, things that we are asked to pray for, and then examples of what other people pray for in the first century. What's very interesting is that, look what we have. We have laborers, the Holy Spirit, bringing glory to God, doing the will of God, a boldness, peacing, a peace that guards our hearts and minds for the quietness, wisdom, uh, that salvation and forgiveness. Uh, it talks about healing, but not, not in the same certainty as we see over here. And it talks about mercy and grace. What I'm saying here, and I, this is some, not something that all necessarily all Christians believe in, but as I, as I was going through my study, something that I had to come to a conclusion of, is that when you look at these things, and when you pair them with these things, what we see uh, that is the will of God and that's in his spirit, and that is what he abides with, is non-tangible things, non-physical things. And all of these, throughout almost all of these examples, they are surrounded with sincere physical problems. You have the Corinthians who don't have money. You have uh, the, all the kind of people that Jesus was interacting with, that he was uh, having compassion on and healing. You have, you have consistent, consistent, consistent issue here with things that are going on in this earth. And yet, in the midst of things that are going on in this earth, they'll say, uh, pray for mercy and grace through your suffering. They'll say, pray that you can have, Paul was saying, pray that I have boldness in the midst of this. Uh, we, we see that uh, we're supposed to have peace that guards our hearts and our minds, that passes our understanding. I mean, it, it, I, you could go on and on, but, but what's even further interesting is that we know that from the scripture that Paul had a, had a thorn in his flesh, and that there's different opinions on what that might be, whether it be, some have said it perhaps could have been an eye ailment, something it might be, a sexual distraction or something or the other. But either way, that never left Paul. We know that there, there are, Jesus and Christ went to the cross. We know that the apostles were martyred. We know that within the first 300 years, there was consistent persecution against the church over and over and over and over again. All of these things kept happening. Yet in the midst of these things, the people that are writing around these things, this is what they're saying that you pray for. And this is what they're saying that you will receive. And, you know, it, it doesn't uh, ignore the physical. It doesn't He says very, very expressly, pray for healing. In fact, have the elders pray for it, that you may have it. But he doesn't speak with it with the same certainty that we have uh, just a verse before about salvation and forgiveness. What's very interesting is that throughout the canon of Scripture, most consistently, what you have is the Scripture urging you to pray uh, with, in faith and fervently with perseverance, one. Two, according to the will of God. According to the will of God. And then three, when every single time it exemplifies what that looks like, it's consistently something of a, of a spiritual nature. Which makes sense, and I think it's great that we're going through this, when you look at Galatians 5. I'm glad that we're studying through this right now. In Galatians 5, beginning on verse 22. Uh, when we're looking at the fruits of the Spirit, when we're looking at 
literally, you know, and let's, let's not just gloss over that phrase, fruits of the Spirit. We were reading earlier as we were looking through these verses that we need to pray if it's in the Spirit. We were reading earlier that uh, if you pray these things, you will bear fruit. And the scripture literally says, these are those fruits. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And it says, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these there is no law. What I say all of this to say, what I <laughs> exhaustively uh, go through all of these verses to show, is that the scripture and our Lord is not absent from our physical strugglings. Not by any means. We even read how Elijah prayed for rain. But that the scripture puts significant emphasis on pairing prayer, on pairing the will of God, and pairing the fruits of the spirit with spiritual things. And at first that had me a little downtrodden. I was like, well, okay, so <laughs> I just have to suck it up. I just have to pray for these physical things. And I just have to go with it. Uh, that's, just, that's just how it is. Um, but then, then what it renewed in me is a, is a new kind of confidence. Because the, the, the kinds of spiritual things that we're to strive to, to be and to emulate in Scripture, they're a high calling. They're, there's, you know, the, the fruit, uh, Galatians 5 is not the only list attributes that we're to seek after. It's, it's a pretty high calling. Uh, however, the Scripture says, it doesn't say may, except for, except for here. The Scripture says, will and with certainty on all of these things that if we pray for them earnestly, we'll have them. If the scripture says, and I'm going to paraphrase a conglomeration of verses here. If the scripture says, if you pray in faith according to the will of God, therefore, if you pray in faith according to these things, if you pray in faith according to these fruits of the spirits, if you pray in faith that you will have love, that you will have joy, that you will have peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If you pray in faith that you will have these things, they're yours. They're yours. That despite whatever suffering that you're going through for a century Christian, despite that your family is, is being taken, despite that Rome is beating you up, despite the fact that you have a certain ailment in your body that will not leave you, despite these things, we know that if you pray according to the will of God, these things are yours. And for me, that was very encouraging because I know that, you know, <laughs> there, there are people who are rich and well off and are going through crippling depression. There are people who are poor and have nothing and are happy. And I, I think that that's because the Lord, being smarter than us, understood that we're not going to find real peace in those physical things. He understood we're not going to find real deliverment and having things taken away from us. But we're going to find real peace and real deliverment and having an underlying spiritual anchor that was not moved by the ways of this world. And, I, and that, 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 that touches me about the wisdom of Jesus' parable when he's talking about as we read, and, you know, if, if, you're struggling, uh, if you uh, ask your, your, your earthly father for something good and he gives it to you, you know, how much more uh, so will I give you the Holy Spirit? What's, what's very interesting is that God being our father, you know, we're coming to him saying, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, I want this. I want this candy. I want this candy. It's really good. Or, hey, daddy, I don't, I don't want to wear these shoes. They're uncomfortable. Or, hey, all the, you know, I don't want to be out in the sun. It's hot, which it might be. And he's saying, no, not candy. I have something better for you. Here's, here's like a full nourished meal. Like, no, it's, it's, it's not. A, I know the shoes are tight, but they're going to keep your feet safe. I know it's hot outside, but it's okay. I'm taking you to the shade and to the shelter. Like, very, very, it, it, it doesn't say, that scripture does not say that if we uh, pray and ask for those good things, that he's going to give us those good things. It says that he's going to give us something better. And that's a concept that we see throughout the scripture. 
Uh, I, I, to be transparent, these are still thoughts that I am still working through and working with. But uh, as I continue to go through the scripture and look at prayer and look at what we see, the only time that you see physical things happening uh, in the scripture is when it was in a very specific accordance with a very specific plan of the Lord. And when you look at the prophets, when you look at the apostles, when you look at Jesus Christ, not only did they pray for the will of God, but they went through a lot. However, the scripture says concretely that if we pray according to the will of God, that it's ours. Here's a basic syllogism as we close. If the Lord cannot lie, and if the Lord says that if we ask according to his will, it's ours, then that's the truth. It doesn't say that necessarily we're going to have all of the physical things that we want, but it does say that all those fruits of the Spirit will and can be ours 105% of the time. And friends, brothers, sisters, that means that we won the battle. It doesn't mean every Christian is going to be rich. It doesn't mean every Christian is going to have an easy life, not by any means. Uh, I, we all know Christians who are going through things. But Jesus is saying, you know, that candy might give you sugar high, but I have something better for you, a full nourished meal. You've won. However, the principles that we read here are still true. We got to knock and we got to ask. Because I also know, and I've been that Christian that has been struggling unnecessarily. And maybe not necessarily, but where I could have been in a better place. The scripture is still very true that we need to knock, we need to ask, we need to seek. But what are we knocking for, asking for, seeking for with perseverance and faith? What, what is it that we're seeking after? Is it something that we want? Or is it something that is in the spirit? Is it something that God abides in? Is it something that's according to his will? According to his commandments? If it's something that is of, all of, the, of, of this nature. Because if we're knocking with faith and perseverance for something of that nature, by scripture, it is ours, again, 105% of the time. Thank you for bearing with me as I went through that lesson there. I hope it was helpful to you, as it was helpful to me. Sorry for being a little long-winded there. It's a bad habit I have. But um, as uh, Blake comes to us and, and sings, if you have any, uh, any, anything that you want to make known, please let one of us know, someone near you, or you can come down and we can pray for you. Thank you. <laughs>